Well, good morning. This is the Lou Rockwell Show, and it's so great to have uh, as the guest of honor on our show today, Professor Angelo M. Cotavilla. Professor Cotavilla received his Ph.D. at Claremont University. He was born and raised in Italy. Uh, he's the author of 13 books, innumerable articles. He's a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute, and uh, I, I could take the rest of the show just going through his qualifications, but I'm going to cut them sh- short there. I, I should mention that he was Professor Emeritus of International Relations at Boston University and was a visiting professor at Princeton and Georgetown, and he was a fellow at Hoover, at Stanford University's Hoover Institution. Professor, in 2017, you described contemporary American politics as a cold civil war. Now, in your most recent article, uh, you applied the logic of revolution to our current political scene. Can you tell us about that? Well, uh, look, a revolution happens when people are unwilling or incapable of living as they had. And this certainly applies to, to this country. Uh, there is no more constituency, uh, no more majority constituency anyway, for living the way that we have lived for the past 200 years, primarily because uh, the left has decided that that, that uh, they belong to a superior category of human beings and the rest of us belong to an inferior category of human beings who are not to be treated as human beings, who are to be treated as at best dangerous, uh, benighted, uh, sick uh, folks to be re-educated, but certainly not to be accorded uh, equal rights. And so by Newtonian logic, uh, actions uh, engender reactions, and uh, the rest of of America has taken note and has... uh, is saying, well, no, you know, we, we won't go along with that. So you've got no longer politics uh, uh, by persuasion. You've got politics by uh, motivation of one's, uh, one's fellows and one's friends against one's enemies. And that uh, is a nasty spiral. God knows where it will end up. Well, it's something when I, I just occasionally watch CNN or MSNBC, or similar, uh, listen to NPR, and they really seem to hate the rest of us. <clears throat> I mean, they really seem to to despise us. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's quite something. Yeah, well, it's got nothing to do with Trump. I mean, it's us that they dislike. They were the deplorables, and they de- yeah. they certainly deplore us. They deplore us. Yeah, yeah. And the point is not to reform us, or, or no, it's to take a certain amount of pleasure, satisfaction in deploring others. Um, this is, of course, unfortunately, very, very human, uh, <laughs> but but it does have very nasty consequences. I have a friend who used to be a, uh, a leftist, and uh, he went through Yale as a leftist, and he said the greatest thing about being a leftist is that you know you're always morally superior. Yeah. No matter yeah. what decision you make, no matter what you do in life, you're morally superior. That's right. Well, that's the... Uh, that's what it really is all about. And, and, and those who don't get that don't get what is really going on. Uh, this is not about policy. This is not about uh, <clears throat> whether you're going to spend on this or on that or uh, what are you going to do about this, what are you going to do about that. No, no, this is about us versus them, them versus us. And they are uh, a nasty bunch. They are a nasty bunch. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, they see no reason to be anything else. 
and they learn this. I mean, this is not something that, that uh, can be turned off by some leader's decision. This is not about Bernie Sanders or, you know, or, or Nancy Pelosi or anybody of the sort. Uh, this is something that two generations, at least, have learned in college. They don't question it. Uh, and so uh, more and more people who would otherwise not think quite that like that, somebody say like Hillary Clinton, uh, who is, um, you know, just um, essentially a, uh, an oligarch, or just as we saw yesterday, uh, Sherrod Brown, uh, senator from Ohio, saying that unless um, the, the lady from Atlanta uh, wins that election, why uh, the election is illegitimate. Oh, I mean, where do you get that? Well, very, very simple. He got that from the fact that, that his constituency likes that. And so he's going to give them what they want. It's not a matter of, of, of a decision anymore. This is, this is out of the hands. This is the point I'm trying to make. This is out of the hands of individuals. This is a movement which has its own dynamic. And it does seem like even if some of the Democrats in Congress uh, are not entirely crazy or evil, uh, they're they're pushed by their constituents. They're, I don't mean their yeah. constituents yeah. in the normal right. sense, but pushed by the, the resistance to undertake all these things. Yeah, but they are, in fact, their constituents. The resistance is their constituency. And it's not, again, it's, it's not a matter of choice on their part. They... Now, you know, they're going to profit um, <laughs> just as happening in uh, with with Amazon and, and New York and Virginia is emblematic of, of how these things work out on a certain level. Uh, after all, um, communism never was anything about equality. You know, <laughs> it was about uh, the party uh, getting the goods for, for itself and for their friends. So it's, this has nothing to do with um, any any gauzy <clears throat> ideology. Uh, the ideological part is hatred, but the result, of course, is oligarchy, which is, of course, what the Soviet Union was. <laughs> and it's not turning out any different here. You know, I mean, you've got you have hate on one side, and the beneficiaries of the hate on the other. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. How, how much of the what was actually the truth about the Soviet Union have we adopted here? Well, yeah. I mean, look, it, there's a logic to the way human beings behave. Uh, they will find human beings will find a reason for considering themselves better than others. And then they will profit uh, from it. These are not monks. Uh, <laughs> they are they're folks who uh, who enjoy the money and all of the things that money can buy and the primacy and, you know, it's a whole story. You know, it doesn't seem like the ruling class has always been like this. Uh, what happened? I mean, how did they, to the extent they have adopted all this, to what extent, I mean, why did they do it? Well, uh, the American ruling class, of course, yes. uh, was always very different. Uh, this was a uh, literally diverse bunch of people who had earn their, their keep in different ways and had different ideas about, uh, about the world. But then came along the post-1950s 
educational system, high, very, very uniform, and uh, it educated a class in a very uniform manner and uh, gave them catnip. You are the best. You, you, know, you're, you, are the, you are the best and the brightest, and all of the others are inferior to you. Well, you know, that's, an easy, <laughs> that's an easy set of uh, precepts uh, to, to take. I really am good, huh? <laughs> I really am virtuous. Look at how unracist I am and how racist everyone else is. I remember being in college. I, I was in college right after coming from Italy, and I really did not understand America very well. Uh, I came to understand it. I, I, when when um, people were going down to some 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 folks at, at Rutgers, because was a, by the way, that was a good school years ago. Yes. <laughs> uh, went down to, to uh, Mississippi to, to uh, for the civil rights movement. And um, what I noticed is that they came back full of themselves. Uh, and so I said, well, maybe it isn't that they like the Negroes so much. Maybe they like themselves more. This is about themselves and feeling superior to the rest of us. And anyway, this, this was a, something that I could see as an outsider. Uh, that uh, These people were simply doing these things to feel better about themselves vis-a-vis uh, -vis their, fellow, uh, their fellow man. And this sort of uh, thinking wasn't just uh, at the elite universities. It was with pretty much throughout all of American higher education, I guess. Yeah, of course, stuff starts at the top, you know, everything starts at the top. Um, you know, uh, um, of course, some people go to Harvard and never get over it. But, um, <laughs> but then there are people who didn't go to Harvard, and who wish they had. And uh, uh, <laughs> they're even worse. No, it's it. Uh, do you see any hope? Sure, sure. I mean, uh, the, the uh, look, a uh, nice thing about the United States, one of the many nice things about the United States of America is um, literally diversity. I mean, American history is full of people who uh, dissented and then simply went off and did their own thing. Now, uh, you do have that in this country. There is a, a whole subculture of uh, growing subculture of homeschooling, mm -hmm. for example. Uh, and uh, as a college professor, I, I noticed uh, just how superior homeschool kids uh, were in my classes. I mean, these were the live wires. These were awake. The others were sort of slept through things and, uh, and wanted their grades. Uh, these kids were eager to learn and, and you know, were alive. Uh, so there's a whole subculture of that, and uh, there's a religious subculture in this country. Now, you know, uh, uh, the question is, uh, well, what happens then? Who prevails over the long run? After all, uh, these people, uh, these uh, conservative dissenters do reproduce <laughs> the, the others abort. You know, nobody nobody can foretell the future, but uh, you ask for hope, and the hope, I believe, is in America's tradition of diversity. 
I know that uh, I, I was working as a congressional staffer the last time they tried to abolish homeschooling. Oh, yes. And there was such an, un an unbelievable uproar from the American people that they stopped it. Oh, yes. And oh, yes. I'm sure that they would still like to abolish homeschooling, but they can't actually do it. Right. So right. There's, uh, there's a great sign of hope. Well, there is. I mean, people are fleeing the, the ordinary um, educational system as best they can, as fast as they can. Again, uh, I, mean, I, I grew up in a, in a highly structured educational system, which at the time, by the way, was very, 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 very good uh, in Italy. In America, there was a kind of a total lack of standards. And at first I thought, gosh, this is awful. But, but if you think about it, it's not nearly so bad because it allows those who, it allows sort of water to seek its own level. People who wanted to slide, why they can slide. And they can get their grades and, and be meaningless and dumb and useless. And those who want to excel, why they can excel. Nothing stands in their way. All they got to do is not pay attention to what's going on with the others. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so um, yeah, uh, there, there's plenty of hope. Um, and again, uh, it's, it has to do with the American tradition of, of, uh, of freedom. And uh, if you don't like the way things are done here, why you, you know, go off and do them differently. Uh, there's a cost, there's an extra cost, of course, involved, but uh, we're wealthy enough to bear those costs. And certainly when people, when it comes to one's children, uh, one is willing to bear the cost. Right. G again, there are those who are willing to do it, and they will turn out a certain kind of kid. And there are those who are not, and they'll turn out a different kind of kid. You know, so you, you do have a separation, which, by the way... Uh, for better or worse, or for better and worse, really does mean a kind of clash, uh, different kinds of people in this country. And uh, perhaps the political solution is some kind of federalism as it was originally meant to be. You can call it secession. And you say, well, that's not good. Well, no, of course not. But it beats civil war especially this kind of civil war, which would be worse than the, than the last kind. Because the la in the last kind, people respected each other. Now what you've got is mutual disrespect. And mutual hatred. And mutual hatred, yeah. yeah. You, didn't have, you didn't have the hate back then. I mean, you had, you had people who fought each other and were, and, you know, were socially friends. Uh, what's going on now is, a, is more than political enmity. It's deeply personal. And that's very, very, very regrettable. And could the next presidential election, you think, uh, lead to a looser federation? Could, that it's possible that that could happen? God, God only knows. It depends who wins. It depends who wins, of course. You would have to have... Uh, and how enlightened... I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know whether Trump will run or not. I mean, he may very well say, well, I've, you know, I've done my thing and I, I've won. <laughs> America is great again, and so I, you know, I leave. But Trump or any particular candidate on either side is less relevant than the consensus on each side. And what hasn't fully happened yet is 
there is no party. I mean, the Democratic Party is fully in the hands of a revolutionary faction that understands what it is doing as revolution. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I, uh, I suggest anyone who has any doubts about how, how well thought out this revolutionary departure is, take a, there's a book published by the by fellow named Thompson, who is the CEO of the, of the New York Times. The title of the book is Enough Said. And it goes on and on and on about truth, about the responsibility for truth, 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 truth. And then at the end, it says, but of course, um, truth is that uh, Michael Brown uh, was uh, was murdered by the police uh, and, and, and so forth. You know, uh, things that are obvious, obviously, obviously false. And he knows them perfectly well to be false. So what is he doing? He's saying much what the folks uh, on the left said during the Kavanaugh hearings. Look, this man is is guilty of this and that and that. Why? Not because he did any of these things, but because we say so. Truth are us. (laughs) Truth is us. And uh, certainly the Republican Party has not begun to recognize what kind of a fight it's in. uh, That they're dealing with people who posit a universe in which they are the masters, period. And it does seem like, uh, I think Ann Coulter pointed this out, that the Democrats seem to be winning a lot of seats after the election was over. And the Republicans, by and large, are pretty silent, except maybe in Florida. Well, yeah, uh, in, in the most egregious cases. Why? Why are they doing Because there are all sorts of people out there who believe that they are morally entitled to cheat on elections. It's the mm-hmm. right thing to do. When they do it, it's not cheating. Yeah. No, it's the right thing to do. Why? Well, because the rest of us are so awful. We can't be allowed to do these things, whereas they are not only allowed, but mandated to do these things. And it's not one or two or three or four or five or ten people. It's a whole bunch of people. Wow. Yes, it's it's uh, your diagnosis is impressive and correct. I must say. Well, I wish it weren't. No, it's great to have you on the show, and and uh, uh, as always, you give us a lot to think about and a lot to uh, worry about and a lot to try to achieve uh, in opposition to these people. So thank you very much, and and uh, keep writing, keep speaking, and keep teaching us. All right. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Well, thanks so much for listening to The Lou Rockwell Show today. Take a look at all the podcasts. There have been hundreds of them. There's a link on the LRC front page. Thank you.